And so, happy Easter to everyone. Uh, this is my third and, and final reflection for this Holy Paschal Triduum, looking at the different phrases of Jesus. They are your gift to me, and, and let these men go. Now we get to Easter Sunday, after Christ has given thanks to the Father for the gift of the apostles. He's let them go um, in his non-attached love, and then, of course, in his own death. And today we celebrate the resurrection, and what really came to mind was uh, the first chapter of Ephesians, verses 8 to 10. Ephesians talking about this great mystery, the plan of God hidden in his mind for all times to to save man through Christ. And these verses go, quote, in all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will in accord with his favor that he set forth in him as a plan for the fullness of times to sum up all things in Christ in heaven and on earth, unquote. So it's here we believe in the resurrection of Jesus that all things, the apostles along with the church and all of creation are are summed up, are brought together in Christ. And so there is this, this return of creation, return of the apostles, in the risen flesh of Jesus. Now, of course, we can look at the gospel, particularly the last couple of chapters in the gospel of John, to see that the apostles do return. And Christ breathes the spirit on them. He brings them peace. He brings them forgiveness. But this return is part of this much larger mystical, let's say, restoration of all things in Christ through the resurrection. And in doing so, it's the, the, the triumph over sin, the transformation of creation in Christ and his body, and also the formation of his church, uh, the body of Christ, with Christ as the head, founded on the foundation of the apostles. And for those who know a little bit about theology, we might even call this sort of an exitus reditus. Uh, that, that's a phrase that we would talk about from particularly St. Thomas Aquinas, that Christ comes out of the Father, the Son comes from the Father, creation comes to the Father, the Son comes to the Father, and it returns back to him. But in a certain sense, we can also, I think, apply this to just Jesus himself. He, he, he lets his apostles go, and, and in doing so, through his resurrection, he receives them again, <clears throat> but in a a greater, more spirit-filled, more transformed way. And there's so much that we can reflect on this, and it gets into some pretty complicated theology, as you can, as you can tell. But there is another line that I really want to focus on that seems to better tie into those two verses that we've focused on already. The one dealing with receptivity, the apostles, or Christ's, or the Father's gift to Christ, and his letting them go in that possession detachment. And this comes in John chapter 20, verse 17. So Mary Magdalene has gone and seen the empty tomb. She returns to tell the apostles, Peter and John go. But when they return back after seeing the empty tomb and believing, Mary stays there and has this 
encounter with the angels and then encounter with the risen Christ who she at first thinks is a gardener. And then when she realizes, after Jesus calls her name, who he is, the quote for, or the passage from verse 17 says, Jesus said to her, stop holding on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, unquote. Again, I'm not a Greek scholar. There are many different ways to interpret this, but it's that phrase, stop holding on to me. It talks that I think sort of connects with this idea of, of gift, of letting go, and then now telling Mary Magdalene, who is the one who, who brings the message to the apostles of the resurrection, don't grasp, don't cling to me. What exactly does this mean, this, this telling Mary to not grasp? And a few years back, I read this article by Father Paolo Prosperi in the Comunio Journal, where he talks a lot about um, this possession and detachment, uh, particularly from the, the view of Father Luigi Giussani, where the, the, the word comes from, or the phrase comes from, but also to sort of look at it in the context of this passage with uh, Mary Magdalene, but the connection to the Eucharist. And it's a longer article, basically summing up the main point, is that Jesus says, don't grasp onto me in my, in my present physicality until I've ascended to the Father, because once I ascend to the Father, you'll have the gift of my risen flesh in the Eucharist. And there's going to be a much more intimate ability to uh, encounter me and to encounter and have communion with the risen flesh of Jesus in the Eucharistic dimension. And so uh, there's a quote there from this article, and I'll give it to you, where Prosperi explains this. He says, quote, in John, speaking of the Gospel of John, the cross makes sense only as a step toward the Eucharist. To be sure, the consummation of this new union of Christ saying on the cross, you know, it is consummated, requires passing through a painful moment of separation, I would say, of, of letting go. But this sorrowful separation is actually the means towards the full joy of a deeper intimacy with those very ones for whom Jesus gives his life, the apostles, the ones that he lays down his life for. So now, because of the resurrection and his passage from death to life, there's a chance for a greater communion. True, it is a unity no less hidden than it is intimate, and yet it is truly fuller than the unity Jesus had with his own before death, unquote. And so it's here, it's the mystery that we celebrate, the Paschal mystery of Christ's passage from death to life, uh, the, the, the mystery that we've seen in the context of, of gift and receptivity, now finds its telos, finds its fulfillment in the Eucharist, in the risen flesh of Jesus. So now the apostles, the whole church, sort of symbolized in Mary Magdalene, is the ability to hold on to a much deeper encounter with Christ through the Eucharist. And so that's why he says, do not grasp onto me, because once I have ascended to the Father, you're going to have me present in a very hidden way, but in a much deeper way in the gift of the Eucharist. And so this is the great mystery, I think, that is at the heart of Easter, and that we need to explore a little bit more. And, and so going back to, to Holy Thursday, we, we saw that the Father, of course, gives 
the apostles to Jesus as his friends, as his gift. And so the apostles can be a symbol of the church. And there's so many different ways of seeing uh, symbols of the church in scripture. But then what Christ does is he then gives himself to the apostles, this reciprocity in the Eucharist. And of course, giving himself in the Eucharist, we saw is that self-gift, which is in and of itself a letting go, uh, a letting go of the apostles, but also letting go of himself. And so this becomes an even deeper mystery when we realize that that Eucharistic gift of Christ is connected to the cross, uh, his connection of the Last Supper to the cross. It's there where Christ really gives his body. He really gives his blood. That's what we can call the Mass now, even though we we share in and we receive the resurrected flesh of Jesus. It is a representation of the one sacrifice of Jesus. So we call the Mass a sacrifice. And so what happens, though, is as Christ gives himself in the Eucharist, Christ gives his body and blood on the cross, he goes down to the dead. On the third day, he's raised up again so that that, that gift that is the seed, let's say, put into the ground, comes to be returned to him in a new way, in, in a transformed way. Uh, his body transformed in the spirit. And so I guess this is the principle for us, for us to understand that once we give and we let go, even of the gift that the Lord has given to us, because everything is a gift the Lord has given to us, if we have that gift of hope and we realize that gift in a certain sense is going to be given back to us in a much greater way than we could possibly have ever imagined. And so now we, in the Eucharist that remains, we have that possibility of a much more intimate union with Christ because we receive his resurrected body. So he doesn't take the gift back. We still have the gift. But through his gift of self, we have it in a new, more beautiful way. And so the Eucharist is the heart of our Easter celebration because it is an encounter with the risen body of Jesus under the appearance of bread and wine. And today actually is the 19th anniversary of John Paul II releasing his encyclical Ecclesia de Eucharistia, the beautiful encyclical on the Eucharist. And, and he has this wonderful passage here about this very mystery of the, the risen flesh of Christ present in the Eucharist and its effect in our lives. So I'll give you the quote. He says, quote, Those who feed on Christ and the Eucharist need not wait until the hereafter to receive eternal life. They already possess it on earth as the first fruits of a future fullness which will embrace man in his totality. For in the Eucharist, we also receive the pledge of our bodily resurrection, the end of the world. <clears throat> he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood is eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. That's John chapter 6, verse 54. This pledge of the future resurrection comes from the fact that the flesh of the Son of Man, given as food, is his body in its glorious state after the resurrection. With the Eucharist, we digest, as it were, the secret of the resurrection. For this reason, St. Ignatius of Antioch rightly defined the Eucharistic bread as, quote, a medicine of immortality and antidote to death, unquote. And so here it is. 
in Christ letting go in his gift of self of, of us, but also of his, his very person, in the resurrection, we now get to encounter him in the resident flesh, heaven on earth, and we get to participate in eternal life now. That's the, the superabundance of the gift of, of the dying to self that in our own life brings forth new life. And so that's the, the real connection. And I know there are a lot of different overlaying layers here or overlapping layers here that can get confusing. But we got to get to how it applies to us because over the previous nights, I've been trying to look at how this mystery in the life of Christ applies to the life of the priest and his gratitude for the gift of the people give, given to him, his own isolation and, and need to, to let go uh, of those who have been given to him, of, of that possession and detachment. And I think in a certain sense, we can see in the words of Christ uh, a very clear way in Mark chapter 10, verses 29 to 30. Most obviously, it's going to be the celibacy for the sake of the kingdom. And so here the priest renouncing the good of marriage for the sake of the kingdom, uh, celebrating Mass, receiving the gift of the risen flesh of the Lord, connected with that. Jesus says, Amen, I say to you, there is no one who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, who will not receive a hundred times more now in this present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come, unquote. And this is clearly something that I have seen in my ministry, uh, particularly with the 11 years working at a campus ministry, giving up marriage, giving up children. But now, over the course of a decade, of almost a generation, uh, I have adopted many, many spiritual children, uh, many more to be able to love and to find communion with than I ever would have had if I would have been married. Um, the truth is, uh, there's no way I would ever now at this moment uh, want to be married because of the, the many gifts that have been given to me. Uh, of course, gifts that I can't possess, that they're not my physical children, but I love them with that same heart. Um, and so this passage, I could say, I've been given that superabundance, and most priests have, because of the parishioners and the multitude of people who have been given to them as gifts uh, for their sacrifice. But there's a deeper mystical sense, and that's the sense that is, I think, a bit harder to put into words. I've been spending some time trying to search for a quote, and I don't find anything that really sort of sums this up. Because the real way, if we're going to connect all of these threads together, uh, that that the, the thing that we give up is given back to us uh, is, is also found in its fulfillment in the Eucharist. Because it's there in the risen flesh of Christ and his body, we encounter him, but we also encounter the church. Uh, the other members of the body of Christ. In some mystical way, both living and deceased, when we encounter Christ, we also encounter his body. And so there's a communion with Christ, but a communion with all of those in Christ. It's a phrase that, that I guess in a certain sense has become popular lately. Um, I'll see you in the Eucharist. That somehow we find communion 
with our brothers and sisters, those on the earth and those who have gone from this life to the next. It's something that I preach about a lot as a message of hope at funerals. Because of baptism, we're all one body in Christ. And as we pray and as we receive the Eucharist and we have masses offered, there's still a potential for communion with our loved ones. Um, it's also something that I've really realized. And the blessing of many young women who have gone to religious life, I don't get to see often, and some who've become cloistered, who I really don't have that same connection with. There's a belief of a connection in the Eucharist and my intention and promise to, to pray for them, to remember them in a particular way in Mass, that we are all connected through and in the risen flesh of Jesus. And it's a beautiful mystery for, for priests because we have that very intimate way of doing it and we do offer the Holy Mass. But for all of us, it's that gift of the Eucharist because of the risen flesh of Christ he is connected throughout time and through space, uh, through the universe, through eternity in heaven, and that we in some way, which is very, very hard to describe, can encounter Christ, but can also encounter others and see others in the great mystical gift of the encounter of the risen flesh of Jesus in the Eucharist. And so in conclusion, really trying to land the plane here during this Paschal Triduum, I've gone in a lot of different directions, a lot of different threads that I've tried my best uh, with the time that I've had to, to unify, to tie together. But the ultimate message is that it is in the Eucharist that everything we've talked about, gift, receptivity, letting go, uh, return, transformation, find their summation. It's all there. The mystery of Easter is the mystery of the Eucharist, the mystery of the risen and resurrected flesh of Jesus. It is our most intimate encounter, much more intimate than the apostles, Mary Magdalene would have had while Christ was alive. And so when we receive and have communion with him, it transforms us so that we do share eternal life, but also giving us that potential in Christ to, as Christ did, give of ourselves fully, Eucharistically, but also to better gratefully receive those the Father has given to us, uh, to be able to guide them, to fulfill our entrustment with them, but to love them in that chaste attachment, and as in all things that are given to us a gift, to let them go to the Father, knowing that we will receive all things back a uh, hundredfold in a way that we could never imagine. Lots to pray with, lots to reflect on. I hope everybody has a happy Easter uh, and joy in receiving the Easter sacrament, the resurrected flesh of Jesus. Amen.